The following episode of TOEFOP is classified M.A. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, sexual references, a sex scene, prison rape, time travel, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. <laughs> Hello and welcome to TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And uh, t- look, Charlie, um, I've been brought to task on our Facebook page and on our Twitter by people who are just sick of uh, me starting stories and never finishing them. And I think I did my world's worst one, whereas the first story we actually started with, I never finished. Like the very first thing, the thing that I led off with, the whole premise of our conversation was that I'd seen two movies that had a very similar plot. And we managed to talk about one of those movies. <laughs> and never get to the second one. <laughs> In the entire episode. So, uh, previously on McLeod's Daughters, uh, I talked about the, the film Warrior and how basically, um, you know... You want to fuck Tom Hardy. Yeah, but basically it's, you know, it's a Rocky story. Yeah, it's, kick, it's kickboxer and no retreat, no surrender. Yeah. Pretty reboot. Pretty reboot. Yeah. Okay, so I saw another film that has almost exactly the same premise, but not the same premise at all. Like, yeah, I guess if you went, you know, name two movies that are identical, you wouldn't necessarily think these two, but seeing them back to back, I realised they were essentially the same film. Uh, Real Steel with Hugh Jackman. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I could say, I mean, yeah. The Rock'em Sock'em Robot story. Yeah, I could see similarities there. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially Warrior, except, like, even the, the villain, like, robot is so, like... <laughs> The like Eastern European Russian villain <laughs> in the UFC, well, like it's really similar. Well, we've talked about how much we love Hugh Jackman on Tofop before. Is this what? It, how is this film? It's a classic example. This film of like, if you actually follow the plot of the film, it's it's got a really kind of dark plot that they don't really deal with at all. They could have gone a completely different direction with the circumstances they put in the film. Like they put some quite tragic. So he's like, again, spoilers. <laughs> If you if you think that not knowing what was going to go on in real steel, if you've not seen the promo and guessed the entire movie, and believe me, if you've seen the promo, you've guessed the entire movie. Well, I'll ask you this, yeah. right? Because Real Steel is actually based on a Richard Matheson story that was a Twilight Zone episode. Did you know right. that? The no, original? I didn't know that. No. And the plot of that was that a, a down on his luck, um, he's like a, a promoter, a fighter or a fight promoter who... Uh, it was coaching a world where robots were allowed to fight because humans were outlawed from boxing. He owes a bunch of guys money and he has, but his robot breaks before the big fight. And so to win the money, he puts on the robot's outfit and he goes out and fights a robot and gets like the shit beaten out of him, but doesn't sort of win. Essentially like the Simpsons when Homer uh, pretended he was the robot to impress Bart. Or maybe the Simpsons were doing a homage. Right. Okay. So, um, well, basically uh, in this movie, does Hugh Jackman put on a robot outfit? <laughs> no. And get the shit smacked out of him? No. <laughs> that would be awesome, though. Uh, no, in this uh, movie, it's set slightly in the future. So, so they still have iPhones, but they're just better iPhones than the iPhones that we have. And uh, robot technology is pretty good. 
So the UFC basically now is like the robot UFC for that sort of reason. Yeah. And uh, do they say why boxing or, or fighting's been out? No. Again, so this is the sort of thing I'm saying. It could have been a bit darker. They could have explained some of the circumstance. They could have given it that sort of real world, this might actually happen sort of thing. But yeah. they've gone, not with that at all. They've gone, let's just get the boy from Oz to shake his maracas through this rock'em sock'em robot movie. Uh, so, he's um, uh, had an affair with some woman. Uh, you know, he's got a son that he's never seen, really. So it's sounding more like Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone, the uh, one and only arm wrestling action movie. <laughs> So, um, uh, she dies. Yeah. Um, again, that's not really gone into. Um, kid's going to get custody of, like, I think the auntie wants custody of the kid. She's got a rich, you know, a husband. played by Kerry Elwes, or... <laughs> no, he's actually, he's not too much of an asshole. Right. And he's played by some sort of, like, old, dignified sort of, you know, actor. Um, you know, they couldn't get, that'll do, pig, that'll do. But the, the, <laughs> oh, some right, guy... So older, right, yeah. Yeah, some guy like that. And uh, so at the start, you know, um, Hugh Jackman doesn't want to take the kid. He's happy for the auntie to have the kid. But um, old mate, the, you know, the boyfriend, the husband, he wants to go. They have some Europe plan, you know, trip planned mm-hmm. and he still wants to go on that before they have to have custody of this kid. Right. So he bribes Hugh Jackman's Hugh character because Hugh Jackman needs the money because he's been on the Rock'em Sock'em robot circuit, but he's getting his ass kicked constantly because his robots are shit yeah. and he owes all these people money. And like, you know, there's a little, again, there's a little bit of like that he might get fucked up and he's like some sort of, you know, loser down on his like itinerant sort of. There's your first problem. When you say to me, loser down on his luck, Hugh Jackman doesn't immediately spring to mind. No. He looks like an Adonis. There is no way you would ever see like a homeless guy who looked like Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Because if you look like Hugh Jackman, people are going to give just you give you money. <laughs> they will just give you money. They'll just give you food and money just to be around you and how beautiful you are. Yeah, and like a lot of it's set in Vegas because a lot of this, you know, yeah, fighting's happening in places like you know your Vegas or your sort of that sort of place. And he could just, I mean, Hugh Jackman could be doing like blowjobs in an alley to raise money for his fucking rock'em sock'em robots. Yeah, totally. Like with a beautiful face like that. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, he would have no problem. He could just be in manpower. Yeah. He could go to Vegas and be in fucking, like, the thunder from down under. Totally. By day. Rock and sock and boat. Yeah, <laughs> on the night. weekends. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, so basically, he, you know, he's still on the, on the fighting scene, but he, you know, needs needs money for for a new rock and sock and robot. Yeah. Uh, old mate's got 50 grand to buy him off. Take the kid. You know, get your 50 grand. Yeah. Yeah, then they discover... Um, so, his robot gets killed... Because the thing is that he he doesn't do it right, Charlie. He doesn't... Because he's an ex-boxer himself and he had a shot at the title and he didn't take it. And uh, he's got all those issues, you know. Is, is, there, is there a scene where he's looking at a mantelpiece and it's like a photo of him holding a belt and it goes into like a flashback where he's in the ring? No, see, that would be really... That would actually be better than what they do. <laughs> like, they just get um, uh, Kate from Lost, <laughs> who's like his love interest, to kind of explain it out loud to him as if he doesn't know. But really, to us, you know, at home, and and there's also a great thing where like in like their romance that's like kind of consummated at the end, it has no progression. He's the same asshole when they start making out than he was at the start. And you're like, have they been together the whole time? Because how did they get together? Are they meant to? I don't understand. She kicked him out before. Anyway, so um, so then he takes the kid and this, they find this new robot, this scrap parts robot, and it turns out he's the underdog who can sort of go all the way and, you know, defeat he's like, the... He's like the junkyard dog. Yeah. But a robot. He's and the yeah. junkyard robot. And they start like... What you know, do they call him? Oh, he, his name's Atom. 
Why? I don't know. That's just his name. And uh, Adam and Eve. Yeah. Well, it is a bit like that. I thought it was Adam originally. I thought that was some biblical <laughs> reference, but no, <laughs> it's not that interesting. <laughs> but he's like a Generation Two robot, and the new super robot is like the big T- evil T-1000. controlled by Asians. Oh, really? Yeah, totally. Because they're good with technology. <laughs> yeah, of course. And they want to destroy everybody else. Yeah. But these good old-fashioned American... So what are the rules of robot fighting? Are there heavyweight classes or it's like... It's just can... fucking get your robot out there. But there's also... Is it like, but it's hand-to-hand or do they have guns and lasers and shit? Oh, no, no. It's hand-to-hand. It's like boxing. Right. Or you, it's like UFC. You can just do whatever you want, but... So why the Some fuck? of them have like, two Like, if you're going to... Okay, so... You live in a society where they've banned boxing because of you know uh, the the health health and safety reasons, yeah. right? And so you say, look, we're going to have a robot league, and robots can fuck each other up. We don't mind. You build these robots, let them fuck each other up. That's fine. We're going to endorse that, but don't give them guns or swords or anything because we don't want them getting too fucked up. Like if you're going to allow robot fighting, give them fucking weapons and shit. Oh no, I think that you've still got to have rules. Yeah, the rules are there are no rules. <laughs> No, you you want the matches to last as well, and be confined in some way. If people are shooting guns and stuff, you can't get up close. Like, yeah, and I suppose if you're shooting guns, it doesn't for a live audience. If bullets are fucking flying around, it's it's you've, you know what it is, Charlie. Occupational health and safety regulations wouldn't let you do that. Yeah, but what about weapons? No weapons. But you could give them weapons. You like don't need weapons. The, the fun is they are a sword. They like, fight. Yeah. is a sword. Exactly. They're made of metal. So when they punch each other, that's just like yeah, hitting right. something. So actually, metal. giving them a sword is actually yeah. disabling them. Exactly. It's heaps better to just punch them with your robot fist. Yeah. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> right. Um, so their, their robot, like, implicitly has some sort of, you know, underdog heart and is like the... Yeah. But at the end, so this r- robot has this rare function where it can shadow people. So, like, the kid comes in at the start of matches. It's a learning computer. Yeah, because they start on the... That is AI. That's how computers are reached. No, no, it can only... It can't... It doesn't... It's not singularity. It hasn't oh. gone th- to think by itself. <laughs> they find this scrappy underdog robot yeah. and they're like, we'll call it Skynet. <laughs> no, it just it can shadow. So th- there's these scenes where... I love how you say it can shadow because that's obviously a term they use in the film which <laughs> you've dropped in as if like everyone should know what that means that's is there actually a line where like the kid is like you know the, the kid's like pouring a glass of water and the robot pours a glass of water and he's like oh my god it can shadow it's like the the major plot point right. <laughs> and the most important plot point like, because he's an ex-boxer yeah right. Yeah, it's made so clear even at the time when it's like this is a rare robot that has this shadow function and you're like well this seems like a really useful function why did they stop putting it in more advanced robots <laughs> you know it's like they just stopped putting like you know radios and CD players in cars because they were better cars and you're like well this is a good car but I still want to listen to the radio so I would like to think that in a film like this although physically Hugh Jackman because he can control the robot by through the shadow function yeah. so as he is fighting the robot opponents he's also fighting the own demons in his life it's almost like if he can win this title he can win back the respect of his, uh, of his, like, well, he, doesn't have, he doesn't have an ex wife. Whose who respect does he have to win? The son. Oh, the son, of course. Yeah, yeah right. Char- Charlie, <laughs> in a much better version of this film, that's exactly what would have happened. <laughs> that's exactly what is on the page. That's just the stuff they've gone, ah, that's too hard. Let's gloss over that. Let's not linger in the whole, like, you know, what we're learning out of this. But that's exactly the premise is that he, you know, at the end, because they can tr- control the robot, but in this massive match at the end. Yeah the robot loses the controls and the only way he can control it is for him to shadow box yeah, you know right. the opponent and so it's literally sort of you know the, the metaphor is that it's him 
fighting his personal fighting demons. you know his personal demons and finally getting the chance and like you know that he can that a man can overcome the best you know program computer because you know yeah. his just natural instincts will always be this and so there's all this stuff that could be this like deep metaphorical sort of like you know other layer of what's going on in this movie but I've just gone oh no let's not get bogged down in that let's just play out these scenes as they happen but my favourite bit of it is and massive spoiler but my favourite bit is like this underdog you know robot at the end essentially does the rope-a-dope you know whereas like he takes so many blows from this like super evil and like he just takes them and takes them and takes them and takes them until the other robot gets tired out and then he yeah. attacks right you know so you how know. does a robot get tired <laughs> <laughs> well this is the two best things about that is one that like the super robot yeah there's no explanation it's just like it's, it's batteries have died because it's never gone that many rounds so one apparently thing, the batteries died if you are pouring millions of dollars into building fighting robots yeah. I think the one thing you'd make sure is you had enough power to last a fight no, it's, it's like an iPod charger no one's ever got one when yeah. you fucking need one and like you've been listening on the way to the fight He'd been downloading a lot of podcasts and listening to them on his robot. Yeah. And that drains a lot of energy. And also, yeah. the display the robot had in his yeah. chest, the brightness was up too much, yeah. and that can really drain. Yeah, he didn't have his uh, little uh, clock where you, like, it, it powers down. <laughs> he didn't have that set. So like the phone was actually on the whole time. And Okay, yeah. so evil robots gets tired. So this is the major plot point, is A, that the evil robot, the super robot, would get tired, that its will would get broken. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then secondly, my favourite bit is... That's almost that's as ridiculous as saying, I think my toast, is jealous, my toast is jealous of me. The best bit is that, you know, like when he's doing the rope-a-dope, you know, everyone's like, oh no, the robot's going to get killed by this massive robot. And Jackman, who's like, you know, controlling it, like, you know, is there and he's just like crouched down and he's just taking it, he's just taking it. And like, but he's not yeah, getting hit. But this is my point. <laughs> that like he's like his girlfriend, like fucking Evangeline Lily, is like, you gotta fight back, you gotta fight back. And the little kid's like, you gotta fight back, you gotta fight back. And Hugh Jackman's like, no, yeah, not yeah. And you're like, oh my god, he's taking it all, but he's not. <laughs> he's <laughs> essentially just crouching next he's, to the ring. He's crouching on the hope that his fucking robot doesn't get smashed apart. But he's not feeling this being smashed apart. No, this, the robot's taking that. The robot that's being controlled by him is having to take this battering on the off chance that the other robot might get a bit, get a stitch, that the supercomputer might get a stitch, and then that will be his opportunity. And we're meant to barrack for him for being a hero. <laughs> he's a tactical genius. The way he just crouches next to the ring and allows a robot to get this shit punched out of it. It's essentially like a general saying, this is my plan to attack the enemy. We've got heaps of people, so you guys just run at the bullets and eventually they'll run out of bullets. So essentially, it's Gallipoli. Yeah. <laughs> and you can tell Hugh Jackman's Australian because his fighting strategy is to just get killed in the hope that you yeah. can then overrun. So the, um, the, big, so the big plot point is obviously the mirroring, but it's done in a comical way earlier. Cause, when like he's wanking. <laughs> the kid comes home from school and he sees the robot in the front yard, its fist is pumping over its groin. He's like, what is Adam doing? He's like, oh, dad. Oh, shit. Sorry, shadow function's still on. <laughs> so... Um, uh, Adam starts at like sort of backyard sort of matches, you know, 
thousand dollar like you know pop sort of winner take all sort of you know things. But so then, underground sort of street fighting. Then he gets invited into the big leagues. And when he goes through those series of kind of street fights or underground fights, is that do the filmmakers use an opportunity to show like different kind of groups of people? Like there's a Hispanic kind of group of fighters and an Asian group of fighters and African American. So like that? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, it's essentially people going. Uh, look, we've also replaced dog fighting with robot fighting. <laughs> and in a better movie than this, they would have made some sort of, you know, political commentary a la The Wire yeah, yeah, about yeah. that, but not in this movie. What do you mean a la The Wire? Well, you know, just that sort of gritty urban, like, you know, we're not, even though we're, you know, painting a picture of, you know, crime and drugs on the street that happen to be in sort of, you know, these communities, we're not necessarily, you know. Saying it's about saying these that, people. Yeah. yeah. Look who's look who's out in the backyard robot fighting. The blacks. <laughs> Always the blacks. Like, even even in the future of robot land, they're running the illegal robot fights. They're like fried chicken and watching robots fight. Exactly. We all know it. <laughs> Go on, calling a spade a spade. Yeah. Oh no. So I'm not saying that. <laughs> so um uh they get invited into the big leagues. Yeah. You know, on the undercard. And so it's like the wrestling, basically. They have you know a big entrance. And um, and so the kid, they dance. The kid comes out dancing with the robot. So the robot's you know, shadowing. The him. robot shadowing the kid. So how do they? Uh, how does the shadow function work? Like, do you, do you have to be? Is it like Nintendo Power Glove, where one of you has to be wearing something, or how does the robot know who to shadow? Like, no, he's li- he's literally got a switch in the back of him. All right. Like, so oh, literally, all right. it's never explained. It's literally like this. Uh, have you got him set to shadow function? Okay. Have you switched him over to fight mode? Like that's it's it's all right. So on the way to the ring, they yep. switch to shadow mode. From shadow fight. to fight. Yeah. And then when they get to the ring, they yeah to switch. fight. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So halfway through the fight, the fight, that switch could accidentally get knocked, and all of a sudden, the robot sits on the floor and starts like eating an ice cream because <laughs> the kid is in the front row eating an ice cream, like shadow mode. If you are going to spend millions on a super robot fighter, don't put a switch on the back of its neck that can switch shadow mode. Well, maybe that's why they stopped putting it in more advanced computers. Ah, (laughs) Problem solved. Now it's explained. Uh, But this is my favourite bit. When the kid is learning to dance with the robot, what is the finishing dance move they do together, Charlie? No. Uh, Something from Thriller? No. It's the signature dance move. That a boy and a robot would do when they're oh, doing they're a dance robot. together. They do the robot. Right. So that's a little joke at the end where yeah. they, he does the robot with the robot. He does the robot better, the boy or the robot. <laughs> they do it identically. It's shadow, oh, shadow. mode. Yeah, right. Absolute shadow mode. I like shadow. You know what? Shadowing. <laughs> I hope that stars enter the lexicon. Shadowing, man. Mm. What's that thing that Hamish Nan do? Have you seen that prank that is ghosting? Oh, ghosting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they follow behind people and as long as you can as, yeah. and as close as you can without them noticing. I was watching, um, I think it's Graham Norton's show and they, were, yep. and they were on and Hamish did it like on the spot. They sent him out to do it. And it's just like, I just don't reckon I could pull something like that off. Like Hamish is a special kind of talent where he can walk like inches from someone leering over their shoulder. And when they turn around, is able to just kind of brush it off. It's amazing. I, I think if I did that, I'll get punched in the face. People love Hamish though. And he, like, fair enough, he's very lovable. Um, but like when he announced on Twitter that he was uh, engaged like it was like when Justin Bieber got a girlfriend 
Oh, really? There was, like, girls just crying and girls saying that, like, his fiancée was a bitch and that she was going to die. Really? I'm like, really? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It was like... When did he... When did It was like John Lennon died. (laughs) Yeah, holy shit. What? I didn't... Right. How were you following that? Was there a hashtag? Uh, Like, his name was trending. I was like, why is he trending? Hamish Blake. So I was like... People were literally, like, writing down threats. Yeah. People were, like, shattered. Like, people, you know, just love Hamish. Like, girls in particular. It must be so fucking tough to be a Yoko. Not that she is. Yeah. But the concept of a Yoko. Someone who, you know, takes away that person you idolise. You don't have any say in that. You can understand why people are reluctant to date very famous people. Especially if it's like, you know... Uh, you know, George Clooney decides to date some fucking girl who works in a chemist. You could understand for her why that would could only there could be a huge backlash that would not be worth it. Yeah, no. Apart from your excellent life working in the chemist, I'd have a crack if I was working in a chemist and Clooney came up and said, you know, that happened to a girl. It wasn't Clooney. Terence Stamp. He met a girl who worked on Campbell Parade in Bondi. At a chemist. That's how they met. He's got like this wife who's 30 years younger than him. I thought you were going to say, he's got like this rash. And he went into the chemist. <laughs> she the was the chemist? It was the chemist. Anyway, it was just a story that she worked at, you know, she was just a retail chick. Yeah. Not to demean her, but she no. was working retail. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. She's a chick. Yeah. Working retail. Um, but yeah, he met her. He went into for some, he went in for something one night, got chatting to her and then, you know, they fell in love. And it's like, some pickup line. He was like, hey, have you got a tramp stamp? Would you like one? <laughs> that's it that's his yeah, that's his pick up line so you're Terrence Stamp yeah <laughs> I'm her yeah just so we, it is a chemist you're coming yeah. in for some Panadol don't have to do it an accent but you just you just okay. stamp uh, actually uh, um, I, I need some Panadol please uh, also we started out yeah we, we started yes. <laughs> so you're straight into it okay. you know, so uh, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't know you needed to warm up I need to get the character do you need to I'm do me th- mummy <laughs> Okay. You need something about a lazy brown fox? Action. Okay. Uh, excuse me, can I have some Panadol, please? Uh, yeah, sure. Would you like the store brand? Or uh, that's a bit cheaper, or do you just want, want Panadol? Oh, uh, um, I'd like the heavy... You paracetamol, right? Whatever the heaviest duty painkiller you have. I'm in quite a lot of pain. Okay, I'll just give you so, Nurofen Plus. Nurofen Plus? Yeah. That's the best for pla- for, for hardcore pain? Well, that's, I, that's the best I can give you, yeah, without a prescription. Okay. Um... It's tattoo pain. Do you have anything for tattoo pain? I just got a, a, tat, a tattoo. Uh, well, look, the strongest painkiller I can give you is the neurofin, sir. Do you have any, like, a benpanthin? Is that what it's called? Or is it something ben-panth- I can put over it? What is it? <laughs> what is it? A benpanthis? Vipashna? No. Do you have anything uh, for, stuff uh, that I can put over yeah, the top yeah, of sure. the tattoo? Yeah, would like, yeah, something, it's like something a, that would like a, a moisturizer. A moisturizer uh, painkiller. With no oil. Yeah. With paint, uh, painkiller in it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's my first day working in a pharmacy. I was going to say, do you actually work here? <laughs> do you, sure. Do you work in this chemist? Okay, sure. Or are you trying to make eyes? <laughs> because. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, we do sell that. There's a, just in a tube on the shelf over there. And bandages? Do you have any bandages? Yes, we have bandages. This is a pharmacy. Yeah. Well, it's your first day. Could, do, you know where the, do you know where the bandages are? Uh, yes, they're just over next to the um, thing for your tattoo. Okay. Oh, th- oh, so they're all in the tattoo yeah. area. Yeah, that's it. Oh, thank you. Do you have any tattoos yourself? Uh, no, I don't. You don't? No. Really? You don't have a tramp stamp? 
No. Would you like one? <laughs> I'm, uh, excuse me? I said, uh, you don't have a tramp stamp. Would you like one? No, I don't have any. That's why I don't have any tattoos. No, no, no. My name's Terrence Stamp. So what I'm saying is, you don't have a tramp stamp. Would you like one? Are you propositioning me? Yes. Who the fuck do you think I'm, you are? I'm Terrence Stamp. I don't give a fuck who you are. I'm not... You're disgusting. <laughs> it's your first day to campus. <laughs> and I am award-winning actor Terrence Stamp. What awards have you won? Name three films you've been in, <laughs> if you really are Terrence Stamp. I don't, I don't think this is, am I Terrence Stamp? I don't think this is the point of this conversation. I am Terrence Stamp. Here's my ID. Well, how do I know you're Terrence Stamp? You come on you come on to me all like sleazy and you're saying that you're Terrence Stamp. Or whatever. How do I know you're Terrence I'm not going to take a tramp stamp if you're not Terrence Stamp. You could be some guy saying you're Terrence Stamp. Prove you're Terrence Stamp. Name three films you've been in. <laughs> I, to be honest, I'm not obsessed <laughs> with my own work. <laughs> Name one film that you've been in. Oh, I think that's my iPhone ring. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to a friend of ours, Capsi. We love you, Capsi. At Splendor last year, um, one of the bands that were leaving... They gave me uh, one of their passes. And they oh, said, yeah. oh, if you want to take a mate to the VIP area, just give him this, my Brilliant. laminate. And on the laminate was a photo of the guy in the band and you know, the name of the band. And so I saw Capsi out there, and Capsi's just in general admission. I said, I'll oh, come to the VIP bar, just put this laminate on and pretend you're this guy. So we got up to the bouncer, and the bouncer stopped Capsi and said, what band are you in? And Capsi was like, uh... <laughs> had not stopped to read the laminate. <laughs> So the bouncer fucking kicked him and me out. And I was like, you could have at least learned what the name of the... I'm when, s- wouldn't you at least be interested? Like, even if you didn't think you had to le- learn it, even you were like, oh, well, we'll be fine. I would have at least gone, who am I pretending to be? <laughs> that would be something... I mean, the thing's hanging around my neck. Like, how interested in other things do you have to be that you don't have time to read something that's hanging around your own neck? What's the biggest lie you think you've ever told to kind of get into, like, get tickets somewhere, or, you know, get into a place? Are you good at that? Have you ever done, like, a, a big bullshit before? No, I'm hopeless at that. I'm hope Like, I can't even, like, talk my way into somewhere, even if where it was somewhere where, like, the amount of times... I'm Terrence Stamp! <laughs> the amount of times... <laughs> And I just, these are my ID, and I always just carry around, like, stamps. <laughs> like, and just start saying that to people. I'm doing stamp, and then I just show them stamps as ID. Uh, even, I, I've paid to get into gigs that I have been the act at, because I would rather pay than suffer the embarrassment of having to explain to them uh, that I am the person who's on. Yeah, right. But like, what about like going to see like a gig or something like, you know, like a sold out secret gig? Have you ever not bullshitted or? No, no, I'm just, that's not, that's not my style at all. My style is when I see stuff like that, if I see like, hey, it'd be really cool to like go to some, you know, backstage party at some rock star thing. Yeah. I go, all right, well, like, you know, maybe if I go and do this job and I work here and I like, you know, get in with this crowd and I do gigs here, then I'll be at a, like, you know, for me, it was always about, like, I perform a lot at festivals now, so it means that I get to, like, go backstage and, like, hang out with the artists and go and sit side stage and see bands and stuff. Mm. And so, for me, that was my way of sneaking into those things. It's a much longer way than your way. 
Yeah, yeah. It takes heaps more work, and then sometimes you like you know work there for ages, and you're like, oh fuck, this was boring. Well, yours doesn't but, involve that much bullshit. Yours <laughs> is just like, just like being yours. You you know what? Yeah, you're Hugh Jackman yeah. by the side of the ring, <laughs> just squatting down, taking imaginary hits until you see your opportunity. And there's no reward for the fucking robot at the end of that movie either. Like, the robot's the one that does all the work, who essentially wins this battle. And, like, at least the, like after the credits, they could have had him, like, fucking a toaster. Like, or something, you know? <laughs> like, or, like, all pimped out Mike Tyson style. So, like, you yeah, just get this... He comes in, like, shiny armor yeah, and stuff. Yeah, big gold bling around him and just, like, you know, like... So what happens Electrical to appliances do you, do you not, that... Is there no... What's, what's the final scene with the robot? They're just fucking torching it. <laughs> you just say, it'd be great. So, you know, the final shot is Hugh Jackman's won his son back. He's won the money. He's got a girlfriend. They're all standing around smiling. The sun's going down. Then they cut to a scrapyard and you see this machine getting crushed into a little cube and spat out. And then a dog walks up and pisses on it. <laughs> Credits. That's how the film should have ended. Just a really brutal, heartless way. Of dealing with a robot. Or just a hot threesome with uh, Kate from Lost, Hugh Jackman, and the robot <laughs> in shadow mode. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of uh, top Hollywood celebrities, I saw one of the like best out-of-place celebrities. Well, not out-of-place, but just when you're not expecting to see... Oh, you don't. It's Nick Giannopoulos. <laughs> when you're not expecting to see a celebrity at a certain place so um, we were at some um, uh, flea markets in Pasadena so this is like they, you know it's the biggest flea markets in, like all going around or whatever it's massive anyway it take your whole day to get around the whole joint and there's, it seems to be like everything from like really cool vintage furniture to just like people selling what it was ever in the boot of their car when they arrived at the flea markets you know it's really weird so we're walking around Natalie Portman was there. Natalie Portman, like, with the baby strapped to the front of her, like, with a sun hat on. And (laughs) she just, like, just was walking around at the flea markets looking at, like, you know, shit. And I was like, Natalie Portman is still shopping. Of course. Like, now she's even more hot. Yeah. Like, because she's still just at the flea markets on Sundays. Yeah, she's... Yeah, man. And I was the one who spotted her and everyone was like, oh, how did you, you know, see that it was Natalie Portman? And I couldn't tell them the real reason. Why? Which was that I didn't see it was Natalie Portman. I just went, wow, that is a really, really hot chick. Like, and I was just checking out some random hot chick. Then I went, oh, she's got a baby. And then I went, oh, it's Natalie Portman. But then I had to claim it the other way around because, like, like I think it's fine to spot a celebrity. Yeah. But... To just go, I was just checking out hot chicks who look like Natalie Portman, <laughs> who may or may not be Natalie Portman. That seems like, you know. What? What do you mean? It seems like what? Well, I mean, the other ones, like, you know, you spot a celebrity, you're allowed to go and look and stare at a celebrity. Like, no yeah, one cares. I think it's fine. Both, I think, are, are, are entirely defensible. My, our friend Bernie yes. and I ran back and did a lap so that we could look at her again. <laughs> All the girls we were with, his wife and my girlfriend thought that was fine. They, they yeah. applauded that. Yeah. If that had just been a hot chick, if I'd run up to Bernie and said, hey, Bernie, <laughs> there's a hot chick here who looks a bit like Natalie Portman, do you think our girlfriends and wives would have been wrapped if we'd run around and done a, a lap just to have a look at her? Yeah, point taken. 
<laughs> the defence rests. <laughs> I'm no fancy big city lawyer. <laughs> Uh, but I, I want your advice on this one because uh, this was uh, one for Amy. Um, and I want you to tell me if you think... Well, no, you just interpret this situation okay. and you tell me what you think was going on here. All right? So um, uh, we've gone uh, to see a gig at a, a place called Largo and uh, which um, yeah, some of, some of our listeners would have heard me talk about before. It's like a... LA comedy music venue and it's like it's unreal it's one of the best like you know venues I've ever performed in in my life and they do heaps of cool shows there Sarah Silverman does a regular thing I did Nick Kroll's show there and uh, the Starfish Circus you know Greg, Greg and Dave our friends from Walking the Room they did their shows there and it's it's unreal it's just a really great great venue and um, uh, we went to see a, a gig there and uh, Amy wanted a cigarette but she didn't have any cigarettes. And uh, so she's gone, I'll go and bum a cigarette off somebody. And she's gone up to this guy and this girl and like asked the girl if she had a cigarette. And she goes, yep, yep, I'll get you one. And then the guy has said to her, hey, uh, what's with all the, you know, gesticulating? And like, you know, was like kind of kind of teasing her. Yeah. Like, you know, it was kind of like m- mimicking the way that she'd asked for the cigarette and then kind of like, you know, doing this, she w- he was shadowing her, Charlie. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> like this is who it was. It was Joaquin Phoenix, right? And Joaquin Phoenix was in shadow mode, <laughs> and he was shadowing her. Yeah, right. And so afterwards, Amy walked away, and she was like, "I said, oh, it was really cool because she lo- really loves him." And like I said, it's really exciting. You got to meet him and like you know and talk to him. And she was like, "Oh no, he was like he was making fun of me." Like he, she goes. You know, he was he was mocking me. He was you know being mean to me. How do you interpret that situation? Uh, I would think that was being playful. Mm. Um, I mean, look, I wasn't unless the tone, I mean, it's hard to tell from my description. Of, the tone of his voice. I mean, I think the gesticulating without hearing the tone of his voice, I would say, would be playful. I mean, otherwise, the only it's it would be ridiculous for someone to just immediately attack someone with like, like when they, yeah. the only way I could imagine someone would gesticulate would be like hey what's with all the hands and you know yeah. that's what I would say totally like unless somebody came up to you in a really and she didn't come up to him she didn't actually realise it was him until she'd asked his girlfriend for the cigarette right like yeah. so it wasn't like she, it was like oh fucking Joaquin Phoenix has got people bothering him all night and she's clearly she literally didn't know it was him and like it was yeah. quite a surprise yeah um, so Unless he's the world's rudest bloke and when a stranger yeah. comes up for asking for a cigarette, he's suddenly like... That would be pretty amazing. <laughs> you walk up and you're like, huh, we're king. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just... I've made a mistake. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time you see Joaquin Phoenix on, like, Letterman, he's like, Joaquin, you got a new film coming out? Actually, he did do one Letterman performance that was a little bit yeah. like that. So. Well, maybe he was just in character. Did you think of that? He's maybe a- Casey Affleck is making a sequel to I'm Not There, yeah. where it's just Joaquin going around, like, impersonating people doing retard voice. <laughs> It's just like, it's like, guys, we thought the last one was edgy, but this one is really edgy. 
Um, I think that he was being... Like, I saw it, and I think that he was being playful, possibly, Charlie, flirtatious. even flirtatious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, that, if I was to put on my hat, yeah. that is how I... I if, I if a pretty girl came up to me and was like, eh, I would do the same thing. Perfect way to engage her. Straight away, you're breaking the ice, you're being playful... Particularly when you're in front of... And it's in a safe area because when you're in front of your girlfriend... Yeah. Like, it could be passed off as you were like... Yeah. You know, making... You didn't engage on a... You know, you're beautiful or you're fantastic. You engaged on a different level, and right? If, if anything, someone doing that when you walk up... Yeah. Because if someone is being rude, they ignore you. <laughs> the complete totally. opposite. If there's someone to take note of your body language and behaviour and say, hey, why are you being like that? I mean, what did he say yeah. though? What was his? What were his words according to Amy? Uh, it was like something like, uh, "What's with all the gesticulating?" Or why did you have to like? Yeah, yeah well, that's not, like it was like you well, know. That, that again is not uh, a threatening or. I mean, that if someone said to me, oh, well, "What's with the gesticulating?" Like that's playful. I mean, even yeah. the, no one says gesticulating, you know, unless, if, and mean it unless they're a scientist yeah. <laughs> or an old British man. Good Lord. What's with all the gesticulating? So, um, yeah, no, I think it was flirtatious. And I thought it was a good, safe for flirtatious because... Girlfriend's there. Girlfriend's there. Like, you know... I like how you see it from both angles. Yeah. <laughs> you see it as the boyfriend watching his girlfriend being hit on. Yeah. But then also from the point of view of the guy doing the hitting on, you're like, oh, yeah, well, I can see how he's playing that. Yeah. Nice. That's how I'm making this movie. Yeah. You it's, know been, <laughs> it's been told from four different perspectives because... Amy's got her version, which is he, she thought he was being mean to her. Yeah. Like, you know, the girlfriend's got the version where she's just seen him sort of like, you know... Being rude. Being rude, but like, you know, being flippant and rude. I've interpreted it in a different way. And then the real mystery of the movie, the one that will be revealed at the end is, what was really going on in my keen's mind? Yeah. You know? <laughs> That'll be the big reveal. Because that's what we all really want to know. Like, that's what the girlfriend wants to know. She has her theory about it. That's what Amy wants to know. She has her theory. That's what I want to know. I have my theory. He's the only one who knows, and that's the big reveal. Yeah, right. But he does it all like... <laughs> I like it that you watching a guy hit on your girlfriend and be like, yeah, I can see how he's playing that. You know what that, that is? That's like a guy who's played an attack for like the first six years of his career and then his coach, send, new coach comes in, sends him to the back line and playing on forwards, yeah. he's actually a good backman because, because he, he understands, knows, how, understands forwards how forwards think. work. Yeah. That's what you are. <laughs> you're, a, you're, in a, you're a forward who's lost a bit of pace. Yeah. The front of the back line because you're a big body. Yeah. <laughs> And what you lack in kind of like natural athletic ability, you make up with footy smarts. Yeah, footy smarts. That's right. <laughs> footy smarts are great. Yeah. That's my. What's one of my favourite indefinables in when talking about AFL. I don't know if it's a term used in other football codes, but footy smarts, it's such a, a perfect phrase to what they're describing. But there's, there'd be an equivalent of it in whatever sport. Like, you know, people who are getting by more on... Like Wayne you know, Gretzky would have like... Hockey smarts. Yeah. Michael Jordan had basketball smarts. Yeah. You, and you can lose... Well, no, some... no, no, maybe not those, because they're two exceptional examples. Like, you could say, like... A... They're, people, they're normally people who have had a better career than what their natural-born Ability, skills... Yeah. Would so you wouldn't have. say Michael Jordan then? No. Because he was extraordinary, and you're probably not Wayne Gretzky either. No. But somebody who's got gotten away a bit on, like, you know... Just heart. Like, uh, Leighton Hewitt. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, grit and determination. Yeah. And oh, like, you know, so uh, does he have tennis smarts? Is that the same, though? Yeah, Because no, Nick, Nick, really. Nick Del Santo has yeah. footy smarts, right? Mm. Ryan Griffin has footy smarts. Yeah. So, like, they're just their natural, innate... Uh, they have innate ability to play the game. Yeah. 
that is not just you know that do their skill set. It's it's like knowing what is it. Now I'm starting to confuse myself. <laughs> How would you describe footy smarts? Okay, I would say that footy smarts are people who have an understanding of the game, an instinctive understanding of the game that goes beyond that which you could learn by simple training. Yeah. But you could even... But there's skillful players who don't have footy smarts. So there are people who have natural ability, but footy smarts is something else again. Yeah, it's a good point. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It is a great term, though. Footy smarts. Because they don't use it for every player. And it seems (laughs) all-encompassing. Yeah. Like James Hurd had footy smarts. Yeah. I would say Steve Johnson from Geelong has, has footy, footy smarts. smarts. Yeah. Do you think that should just be like, they should just work it into the curriculum of schools? It's like footy smarts. If you could take a, a course in footy smarts. I know that there's... Certain, although by their very nature, you can't learn footy smarts. I know there's certain points in this podcast where, you know, the people who listen to it, <laughs> like would like be some people are just like ah you know I'm not really into you know prison rape stories or some people would be like you know what you might talk about Batman a bit too much uh, but I reckon nothing is going to guarantee to alienate our audience more particularly our international audience since we've worked so hard to cultivate than us having a 15 to 18 minute conversation about the exact definition of the AFL term footy smarts like it's not even a game that's played like entirely in Australia you know like we're already splitting our Australian following the the predominantly rugby league states are always like alright like, fucking hell seriously like is this what this podcast is now? There's one, I preferred it when the microphones didn't work. There's one guy in the western suburbs whose wall is plastered with Bulldogs paraphernalia. He's like, yes. At buddy. last. Lindsay Gilby. At last. <laughs> I wondered how long it would take for this subject to come up. Well, I think we are the first podcast in history that has had a discussion about specifically about footy smarts. Yeah. Well, this the first podcast in history that has had a conversation about footy smarts uh, and about uh, uh, shadow boxing <laughs> real steel in the same, the same conversation. It's not a first for TOEFOP. Um, yeah, it is a good turn, though. But I think there's people in, like, you know, like, in all sorts of... Like, I, when I was watching Moneyball, it struck me that, like, they Yeah, that whole technique of how they were recruiting players. Have you seen it, Moneyball? No, but I know what the plot is. Okay, yeah. So, like, I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's kind of based, you know, loosely on a true story. So, yeah, I think people understand it was a, a team that couldn't afford the, you know, the big players. So they came up, there was a new way of thinking about players. And it was, you know, not necessarily getting the traditional ones, but the ones who would, you know, win the games. And, um, yeah, they kind of recruit some blokes who have baseball smarts, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, you know what they are? They're role players. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh God, we're going to stray back into fucking obscure territory, but I read a review on the Saints website, yeah. uh, a fan who was saying that there's a parallels between Moneyball and the Saints side of 2009, because we made the grand final that year, but our team was filled up, we drafted for role players. We had, yeah. we had six superstars, and every other position yeah. of guys... Naughty just... nurses, devils, a <laughs> <laughs> couple of guys with ball gags, <laughs> two, two guys who used to piss on each other. <laughs> But that's the, but that's, that's the, what happened with all those St Kilda sex scandals. They they 
put the ad in for role players and a couple of guys got the wrong idea. I thought this was going to be all nudity and end of season trips. That's what role play means to me. I'm here for the orgy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the... But so with Moneyball, isn't it? Statistically, they go for players who can do a certain job. Yeah. Not necessarily going for superstars, but based on their statistic, well, you can do this, you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they started planning for runs. So their idea was that if we get this many runs a game, this many out on bases a game, you know, we will win. So they statistically looked after people who got on base. Mm. And like, you know, they weren't necessarily the best hitters or the most traditional, you know, players. And it, it's it's an interesting film. Do you know, um, I was, I got obsessed with, I saw the trailer for um, The Goon, which is Sean William Scott's film, the hockey film. You know, oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. You know, because he was meant to do Kevin Smith's yeah. somebody, and then he dropped out to do this one that's written by the guys. It, it, it's, he went from this Kevin Smith camp to the Apatow camp, which yeah. I'm sure must sting just a little bit. <laughs> so he's done this film called The Goon, and do you know what a goon is? Do you know? The, are you familiar with the concept of what a goon is? No. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I, I know the Goon Show. No, no. As in goons, like and as goonies, in, and, and I know that um, goonies. <laughs> And I know uh, about goon bags. Yeah, you know that you can drink wine out of and then sleep on in the park. <laughs> but I'm imagining that this movie is not about people who sleep on wine bags in parks. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't know the term goon, but you know, in ice hockey, teams have enforcers. Yeah, right. So I only oh the goon, like a high goon. Yeah, right. So they're right. called goons, and I only just because I saw the trailer for this, and it's about a guy who you know is a, a down and outer, and uh, because he can fight, he gets drafted into this hockey team and becomes like their enforcer. So I started watching a bit of ice hockey and, and on YouTube and stuff. Did you know that in ice hockey, if you want to have a fight, yep. you throw the gloves down and they will stop the game yep. and you will punch on until one of you falls over. Yeah. And then you get taken, you get a, like a token fine and stuff and then they keep playing. Yeah. I did know that. I've been to the ice hockey. I saw that happen. Um, it's... Like it could, the other person has to accept your challenge, though. This is the thing. This is the thing I love about it, is that you can't just go over to somebody and fucking gloves down and then punch on with them. Like you have to go over, gloves down, and they have to go. Yeah, all right. Yeah, fucking gloves but down. They, because they, I, I want Then they go to a circle. Yeah, and they fucking punch on with each yeah. other until they fall over. But the way it's not like, but it's not like real steel where it's a test of skill. No, <laughs> because it's they're on ice. The only thing you can really do is just like circle each other until you can grab a hand from the other yeah. guy's jersey, and then just and then with the other hand, roundhouse just each keep other hammering in the head. him yeah. until one of you loses balance or fucking breaks your nose or whatever. It's insane, and it's sanctioned. Yeah, like, it's, in, it's, it's in the rules. Well, you know what? It's not in the rules. It's one. It's one of these yeah. kind of. Um, like for instance you can't do it in the junior it's, leagues and you can't do it in college leagues I believe what they call it that's, uh, it's honoured in the breach what? <laughs> like it's one of those things you know like with things that aren't technically in the rules of law but it's because what it's what has become accepted that's how we do it Yeah. then that's what happens Yeah. like because they had a problem which was that people just fought all the time Yeah. so they went well, well you know we've got to we'll come up with a way of keeping that in without but I've seen it like I was watching a game the other day and they literally had one of those fights and then it was just all in. People, oh, all, yeah. the, all the players. Everyone just went out of crap. Yeah, right. And did the crowd go ape shit? Yeah. Because I've read that like they talk about maybe um, banning it, but they worry that the numbers would go down because they, they, they think it's a huge draw card. I mean, I... But they also said... We, that, we went to the ice hockey yeah. like, and I would have been massively pissed off 
if there hadn't been a fight. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, that would just would have been like, that's, I like, I, I'm enjoying the rest of it, mm. but I want to see a fight. Like, and they, it's a lot of, it's entertaining. Like, uh, they fire t-shirts out of cannons. Yeah. And like, you know, there's a big jumbotron screen and shit like that. It's genuinely the whole, you know, kit and caboodle. And they're kind of like, you know, cheerleader girls. Yeah. This is what I love about the hockey. This is my favorite bit, is the cheerleader girls who like are not only like hot, but they're on skates. Yeah, right. And they're the sweeping up girls as well. So basically, <laughs> you know, because like they have to sweep Tons the ice. So it's like, they come out and they're like, we're hot and we're on skates. And then they're like, and we do like, you know, routines and tricks. And now we're cleaning up. <laughs> I'm like, you kick the ass of every other cheerleading girl. Like, like you go to the Lakers and they're just like holding pom-poms and shaking them. And I'm like, these girls have time to do spectacular things on ice and still clean up for everybody. <laughs> you sexist prick. You love it because it puts women back in their place. Yeah, on skates. Last episode <laughs> was our feminist episode. This episode, we're going right back. You know, Charlie, I've always believed that a woman's place is on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> but I read that um, sometimes these goons, like it's prearranged, like even before. It's like before the game's even started, so no hostilities have broken out. Yeah. They've got and say, we're going to fight, like, you know, yeah. second half. Yeah, sure, let's do it. Like, it's, it, there's like a whole policy of evening up. Like, you know, so you've played a game where to say your star fucking player was knocked down. The next round, you bring this guy and say, your job, this game, is to kill that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's... smash him into a fence and then punch him in the head. Yeah. I mean, it is borderline fucking, like, uh, Roman times, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. I love it. But eventually, because Someone's of, you know, gonna die. Because of political correctness, then those people will have to be robots. <laughs> and they'll have to f- they'll be robots on skates yes. fighting each other on ice that would be amazing if you had two teams one mm. player each was a fucking robot and also the Zamboni that cleaned the ice <laughs> so they could come out come out at the start and polish the ice and then be the fighting person is that person. what a Zamboni is? is that what it is? A Zamboni? I have no fucking idea where did you pull Zamboni from? <laughs> I don't really know if, the, if a Zamboni is that can I look it up? I'll yeah. look it up okay sure yeah. Uh, I looked it up. A Zamboni, uh, invented by Frank Joseph Zamboni Jr. January 16, 1901 to July 27, 1988, uh, is a ice resurfacer. So that's... And it's commonly referred to as the Zamboni. So there you go. But while I was looking this up, I stumbled upon... Is it like saying esky when you mean cooler? Yeah. Like there's lots of different types of ice resurfaces... But the most popular one is called the Zamboni. Yeah, and and basically it's like when people, yeah, like they refer to like aspirin. Yeah, so like yeah, aspirin. Imagine like being a- the guy whose invention somehow. I mean, is, was he the first guy to invent it? Is that why they're all? Well, it's not Zamboni? always because, like you know, with VHS or whatever, sometimes it's just the one that becomes More like or the iPod or whatever. It doesn't have to have been the first. Yeah, yeah. right. Like you know, people for a while talked about MP3 players or. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then everyone just, just like everything's an iPod, even if you know even what Vegemite, you use even isn't Vegemite. an iPod. <laughs> yeah, Vegemite, that's an iPod. <laughs> so uh, I, I found another article that one of our listeners sent to us, Charlie, while I was googling Zamboni, and it refers to the career of somebody that we've talked about on this show, and we've worried about post 
the breakup of his current enterprise, what would this guy do with his life? Yeah. Uh, it is, of course, uh, taboo from the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> so, so, Are we doing a taboo retrospect? Yeah, we've, well, we've had a little... Um, the taboo, this is your life. Yeah. Like, it's a taboo topic. And, well, we said last week that anal was taboo. Yeah. Exactly. really taboo is taboo. Uh, a lot of people have been worried about what taboo... Like, everyone's like, well, Will I Am, he'll obviously, you know, have plenty of things to do. Fergie, she'll be fine. Poor taboo. Yeah. It's fair a thought for taboo. Apple to be app and taboo. Let's find out what's happening with these. What ones. is taboo to do? Yeah. <laughs> Is that that's that's how he talks? <laughs> like that was when, he speaks always when in, will the I, first per, in, the, in the third person. When will I am? And it always in, rhymes. Yeah, when will I am called him into the office to say, "Hey, look, I'm splitting the band up." Oh no! What is taboo to do? <laughs> <laughs> taboo take two 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 zoo. <laughs> taboo may have to sue. <laughs> <laughs> taboo has a house that is new, with a view. Uh, taboo, uh, the American singer, rapper, and member of the global phenomena, the Black Eyed Peas, will make his debut solo. <laughs> Taboo will make his debut. <laughs> Maybe that's that's how it all happens. <laughs> well, I said taboo, you're through. It's a taboo. Wasn't taboo. taboo. <laughs> this could be taboo's debut. Okay, so taboo <laughs> will make his debut. Uh, solo tour of Australia <laughs> in Timbuktu. <laughs> Uh, presented exclusively by blah blah blah. Uh, uh, experience Entertainment. That's the Experience Entertainment. That's better. the the mob who are bringing him out. That's um, Their director Graham Cordry said, "We are excited to announce that our first tour of 2012 is that of such a star performer." <laughs> Taboo is credited as being the driving creative force behind the Black Eyed Peas. According to Taboo. Yeah. By who? Taboo. <laughs> That's who. <laughs> it's true. It says Taboo. And they're like, is he still in here? <laughs> I, I went for a poo. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> the driving creative force behind the Black Eyed Peas and his live DJ sets are nothing short of explosive. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better way oh, so this actually already happened sorry uh, I can't think of a better way to celebrate Australia Day oh yeah yeah okay no, I thought this was Taboo talking for a second but it's not Taboo it's still great. It's not, it's not in rhyming it's still great. <laughs> Uh I can't think of a better way to celebrate Australia Day at the peak of the Australian summer kicking back poolside in the afternoon sun with a cocktail or making a splash in the pool with Taboo in charge of the music. <laughs> this sounds like a... Th- is Taboo standing side of stage putting a gun at his daughter? You know what I mean? <laughs> These demands are so outrageous. Taboo is the single greatest artist to have ever graced the stage 
<laughs> just like looking at his daughter. It's a she's boo. sweating. Uh, so this guy uh, wants to celebrate the Australian summer and Australia Day <laughs> by bringing out American rapper to boo. <laughs> Not even like probably the third or fourth best one from the Black Eyed Peas. The creative force behind yeah. the Black Eyed Peas. Famed for jumping on the mic and famed, famed for jumping on the mic and singing Black Eyed Peas hits during his sets Taboo will bring to Ivy Pool oh it's an Ivy Pool oh my god capacity 15 <laughs> capacity 52 for Taboo <laughs> um, yeah so he's gone from playing Madison Square Gardens with the Black Eyed Peas to playing the Ivy Pool <laughs> Uh, Taboo will bring to Ivy Pool the fusion of electronic hip-hop and party beats that have seen the dynamic and constantly evolving supergroup NAB six Grammy Awards while refusing to settle within any one genre. <laughs> I thought you were going to say then is they've won six Grammy Awards without ever recording one good song. <laughs> the article really turned at the end. <laughs> what I love is that like... But, but he's not playing Black Eyed Peas songs he's just DJing at this party he might and occasionally, occasionally mark it up and go like uh, I got a feeling <laughs> let's get retarded <laughs> that song was at first let's get retarded wasn't yeah. it and then they changed it to let's get it started yeah did let's get retarded just disappear yeah apparently Joaquin Phoenix's favourite song that's the, th- that's the title of his new documentary <laughs> It's a, it's a commentary on the Black Eyed Peas song Let's Get Retarded where he pretends to be retarded in social situations to prove that that song was actually very offensive. So when they were singing Let's Get Retarded yeah. were they talking in the Let's Get Drunk sense? Yeah. So exactly. they weren't saying Let's... No. We'd like to park really close to the shopping centre. That's one of those song titles that you wonder how did they get all the way into a studio? I mean they recorded it. Yeah. People had to listen to it and approve it. How did it get to the point where it got released? Uh, look, I think that it, that was just on that, you know, that tipping point of them becoming, like, they were still at a point where people were like, how's, they weren't, people at the record company weren't going, how's this going to sound on a ringtone? Yeah. Because they weren't sure that the Black Eyed Peas were going to be, you know, on all the ringtones. Like, and then suddenly everyone's like, we love the Black Eyed Peas, we love everything, can you change that? Song a bit. They're reckon, like, of I reckon they were already well commercial when that one came out. They were commercial, they? but they weren't like. I think they went from being like commercial to being like ringtones. People would say like there were people who would believe that the Black Eyed Peas were like the biggest group in the world, or like one of the biggest groups in the world. Yeah, but they were for a while. Weren't they? Yeah, but I reckon it was just that was like that point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like you know, in that moment, yeah, that somebody went, yeah, you know what? Maybe for the people who are going to buy this album now. Or maybe it was probably like so they could put it in Walmart or something like that. Like it was probably they didn't even have to do it, but it was just like one of those things that Walmart wouldn't stock the album if it had. So you reckon that if they had been still alternative or underground, they could have kept that song in and no one would get in the shit? Yeah, definitely. I wonder. I think so. What if they were an underground alternative band but it became a huge hit regardless? Yeah, no, I think you can get away with that because people get away with like, you know risque lyrics or like I mean, Eminem like had a lot of really misogynist or Nirv- Nirvana did on. rape me yeah and they they didn't have to change that no people yeah. are like yeah yeah that's right people sing that they play that on like Triple M you know like 
people sing that out loud in their cars, like as they're driving along. People, because of Kurt Cobain, people are every day not the driving kind of, along in cars, yeah. screaming at the top of their lungs, rape me. Yeah. If, if you're like me again. and you like to go running at night, you'll often yeah. jog through a park. Yeah. Best not to be singing along yeah. to that track. On your iPod shuffle. Yeah, as you're jog- jogging through a notorious uh, a, a notorious kind of uh, a beat, yeah. don't be singing Rape Me. Or just, you know, karaoke at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's probably not the best Nirvana song to put on, like before the evening ends. Are we through with Taboo? Or is there more to do? No, no, that was it for Taboo. Taboo wasn't... Uh, there was no comment from Taboo on that press release. But that's that's already happened, so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know... Oh, so was, when was it? Uh, Australia Day. Yeah. So I'm hoping... Right. <laughs> I'm hoping... Oh, <laughs> uh, we may have just sold ourselves out in yeah. the last 15 minutes if he gets assassinated <laughs> before he comes to Australia. Yeah. Imagine if Tofop could never go to... No, never go to air because we've done all this Taboo material. <laughs> And then Taboo wasn't let into the country. <laughs> Julia Gillard made a stand. She finally stopped the boats. She stopped Taboo from entering the country. <laughs> Ru- ruined the Ivy's Australian Day celebrations. <laughs> like, I mean, at least they could get like an Australian rapper. They could have got like that dude from 1200 Techniques or whatever. Ah, uh, infamous. 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 Yeah, they could have got him. What else happened? What happened to them? Are they still around? No. Now he's non-famous. <laughs> <laughs> His doll officer thinks that's hilarious and makes that joke all the time. <laughs> Used to be infamous, now you're in debt. <laughs> to the bank, we're going to take your house. <laughs> I'd like to see infamous and taboo tour together. Mm-hmm. Well, the, it might be, you know, how they'll sometimes have an Australian support act. 1,200 taboos. <laughs> well, no, it's just like infamous, but like he's just 120 techniques now. He's had to downsize. <laughs> um, I saw Cold Joy, uh, the old style. Oh, yeah, Coldplay's brother. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, Cold Joy, uh, the old school Australian entertainer. I don't know who that is. Um, he, well,. He was an Australian musician and sort of presenter, and he had a group called... Sounds like a blues musician, Cole Joy. No, he was more like a, you know, matinee idol sort of, you know, singer, you know. Um, but he had a band called Cole Joy and the Joy Boys. Right. And for ages, I used to think it was really hilarious, like a long time ago, to refer to my genitals as Cole Joy and the Joy Boys. Um, it wasn't hilarious. And no one else thought it was hilarious. But I would continually do it to people and go, oh, yeah, yeah, when people would have a conversation about, like, what they were naming their penis, uh, and it, it came around to me because I didn't actually have a name for my penis, I would always say, oh, it's Cold Joy and the Joy Boys, right? Because I like the idea that Cold Joy was the front man, but the Joy Boys were, like, the backup Yeah, makes singer. sense. The I'm Joy like... Boys sound good for balls. I thought it was, like, you know... I like that you put so much thought into name for your testicles. Yeah, I had. I'd put a bit of thought into it. And, um, yeah, KC and the Sunshine Band, that didn't seem right. Cold Joy and the Joy Boys, that sounded right. Um, so I was on the plane the other day, and Cold Joy was on the plane. And, like, I was pointing out to someone, I said, oh, that's Cold Joy. And uh, in my head, I had a remembrance that I had a connection with Cold Joy in some way, but I didn't immediately <laughs> have the remembrance of what that connection was. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out and talk to Cold Joy, and then, like, you know, I'll share whatever this anecdote is. 
And then as I was about to say hello to him, I realized that the anecdote that I was going to share was I used to think it was funny to call my cock and balls Cold Joy and the Joy Boys. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally like a half a step and like a breath away from saying, hi, Cold Joy, I'm a big fan, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, by the way, uh, it's like, what? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) Do you ever catch up with the Joy Boys? <laughs> Have you ever dangled your Joy Boys in your wife's <laughs> mouth? I don't ever understood. I think that thing of people naming their dicks is a fallacy. I, I'd say a minority of men name their penis. Did you mean that pun? Was that an accidental pun that you just made then? Yeah, definitely. What did I say? A fallacy? <laughs> well, I don't fucking clever clogs. <laughs> Look at the big brain on Anderson. You're getting beaten up at lunchtime. Poofed up. Uh, 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 yeah, no, I think it was something that people kind of said they did rather than actually... I don't know anyone who's named did. dick. I think it's the, the, the Bill Clinton was the famous one. What did he call his? Little Elvis. Little Elvis? Really? That might be a tough hot fact. <laughs> Do you, can you just Google Little Elvis? Yeah. And see what it brings up? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Is it Lil Elvis or Little? <laughs> like is like? it is Lil Elvis or Little? I think it's Little Elvis. So I mean, it's not like Lil, like Little Tim. Because he's, from, uh, he's southern. Where's he so from? it could be Lil Elvis. I, I think it's I think it's Little. Just type, type in Little okay, Elvis. Little you may get a midget Elvis impersonator. That's not big John would just filled dead air. Okay, so there's um, a TV show called Little Elvis and the Truck Stoppers. Which I that would, sounds like a porno. No, I will tell you an interesting fact about Little Elvis and the Truck Stoppers. Rove McManus uh, worked, I believe, in the animation suite for that. I think, like when we first oh, started doing stand up, it's together. an Australian. Yeah, show. it's an Australian show, and he was, I think, working in the actual animation part of that. It was like his his job. Uh, Little Elvis. I'm going to put Little Elvis and Bill Clinton. So yeah. Uh, Tiny Elvis, uh, William J. Clinton blog. Um, he's saying. Type in what did Bill Clinton call his penis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I should type in. I don't. It would be amazing if there is like no entry, and I have just imagined this because <laughs> it's so specific. You may have to take me to see a psychiatrist. Okay, I can Google. What does it mean in a dream if you're naming Bill Clinton's penis? Oh, you can tell we're at your place because you're the one who's having to Google. Oh, yeah, that's right. Home googling rights. Um, no, nothing. No answers for what Bill Clinton called his penis. No, d- d- internet. You have let us down. So wow, really? I could have sworn that it, that my memory of it is it comes from the Monica Lewinsky case. And that she said that he named his penis Little Elvis. I could have imagined this whole thing, Will. No? I don't know what um, <laughs> I've Googled here. <laughs> but uh, look, uh, the six entry down, all I've seen is the highlighted words. Uh, yeah, Bill Clinton, obviously, which I've searched for. And then Bill did. So that the did that's come up for, you know, what did he call his penis? Yeah. Is Bill did well in school, and that his is and was voted by his schoolmates. But then, unrelated, I've just seen something that says he also has an eighteen point five inch penis. 
So I'm going to. What website I'm is gonna, that? I'm, I'm going to have to click through that. Yeah. What? Oh, it's unclosed. Uh, encyclopedia. Have you ever? It's like a. What's yeah, encyclopedia? It's like a Wikipedia sort of. Um, I think it's like almost like a piss take, but uh. Oh, okay, so it's just you bullshit. Know. Yeah, hang on. Well, let's see some more information about his penis. <laughs> Um, I love the fact that I've not been able to Google any information on what Bill Clinton calls his penis. So the fact that he called it Little Elvis, or you remember that, means yeah. you remember this is you remember more than the internet. I don't know that I'm right though. If it's not on the internet, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I let let hang on. You forced me. To <laughs> it's the first time anyone's ever said that. If it's not on the internet, then maybe it's wrong. <laughs> You'd think something like that though, because it's so salacious. Would be, it's the kind of thing that you would find on the internet. I'm going to have to turn my computer off because I don't trust your fucking internet searching skills. So I'm going to type in... This, um, this, written, this now feels like we're two like, hackers yeah. in some backyard thing and I've had a crack and you're like, move over. I'm going to get in here. You hear me just go, I'm in. Bill Clinton. He was always happy, so I guess his password was happy. Ah, Bill... Quote to Elvis, right? No, wiki quote... Elvis, Farmer Tinker. No. Penis Pals, Bill. Yes! All right, here we go. According to Super Articles, under the heading Penis Pals. Okay, good. Okay, what exactly is the best friend? Blah, 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 blah. This is a blog by someone. So look, I have one verifiable source. It's not like it's, this is the New York Times, but I didn't imagine it. Someone else has heard of it. This is by Sandra Pryor. Okay. What exactly is a Did best friend? you say Pryor or Cryer? Pryor, as in Richard. Okay, yep. What exactly is a best friend? Well, to start with, it's someone with whom you go everywhere and share your deepest, darkest secrets. Okay. Best friends also pop up unannounced, embarrass you in social situations, and sure. let you down when you need them most. That is true. where she's going. Ah, oh, like a penis. <laughs> Yet, you stick with them through thick and thin. Oh, thick and or thin. I could probably be talking about any one of your best friends, right? Wink. But look again and you'll see I've just described a penis. Right. Probably my penis rather than a penis. Like if a penis was coming with me to random things, that'd be weirder. Question. Is a dog really a man's best friend? Not mine. I've got three cats. No. Oh, okay. The no, thing that comes first question? in a man's life is his penis. Well, it does come first. If you know what I mean. <laughs> and what is there to tell you about our dear little friends? Um, did I just say little? What I meant to say was, oh, forget it. I'm reading this for Benjamin, by the way. I'm, I'm putting a little... You can see the actor spin. I'm yeah. putting a little bit of... Yeah. Yeah, fucking hot sauce on you're it. You're dusting it with a little sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Under the heading, we name them. Okay. Bill Clinton calls his Little Elvis. Oh. I think George W... Little or Lil? Lil, as in Alabna. You're right. Yeah, okay. I doff my cap to you. <laughs> Bill Clinton calls his Lil Elvis. Yeah. I think George W. Bush called his Lil. Oh, she's making a joke. I think George W. Bush calls... Call, George W. Bush just calls his Lil. Okay. okay. So he had a little penis. Yeah. I haven't given my... My penis? Her name is... Her name's Sandra. Yeah. What? All right. Maybe Sandra is mid-op. I haven't given my penis... I love that this is your source. Some <laughs> possibly a man, possibly a woman blogger. With a dubious at best sense of humour. This is your reference. I'm not the only one, is all I'm saying. Yeah, okay. 
I haven't given my penis a name, but have met many a man who has, and have heard many even talk of their penis in the third person. Oh, you should have seen Oscar go. Or, I wanted to go right home, but Barney had other plans. Barney? <laughs> have you, in your entire life, ever had a male friend say to you, Ooh, you should have seen Oscar go, or I wanted to go right home, but Barney had other plans? Barney? If you talked about your penis with that much imagination, I would have to fucking put you in a straitjacket. Well, it's, A, there's nothing more sexy than um, <laughs> calling your penis after the grouch that lives in the rubbish from Sesame Street. Like, I think Oscar is a, a great name. Ooh, you should have seen Barney go. Even if you do name your dick, when would you ever tell someone, male or female, you should have seen my penis go? What? Do you you think it's like Barney Rubble? Does it look like Barney Rubble? Is that where it comes from? Or is it like Barney Banana? It looks like 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 Lee Matthews. It has like a mo. (laughs) It's a tough in and under player. Short, but strong. Yeah. (laughs) Happy to knock a bloke out behind (laughs) twice. That's what this podcast needed. More obscure AFL references. (laughs) I have to confess, I find this just a little unsettling. Well, I'm finding this blog unsettling. I believe it to be a mechanism where men can... Sandra, or is it Mandra? <laughs> Sandra. <laughs> to go back and check. I believe it to be a mechanism where men can fool themselves into thinking that what transpired the night before was not their fault at all. The penis is in control. Yeah. Sounds like we're sailing into dark territory. Yeah. This, of course, doesn't work with women. I don't think I'll ever see the day when a woman tells me, hey, I was just saying goodnight. It was little Susie who invited him in. That's not true. My ex-girlfriend named her her vagina. And what was its name? Miko. Miko? Okay, why Miko? I think there was a character from a Disney film. (laughs) Oh, God, that's weird. A little fairy creature called Miko. Do you really want to, like, <laughs> violate, vagina. like, a Disney character? Like, if she you, said to you, come you... over here and have a crack at the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Do you want to be the one who shot Bambi's mother? <laughs> I'm not sure that's... <laughs> Can you please stick your penis in my aria? <laughs> Um, okay. We wonder about other people's. This is another heading. Male genitalia are as mysterious to men as they are to women. No, not no, true. Not really. Not I true. spend most of the day... Examining ex- it. Examining it. Very familiar with it. Yeah. While we have intimate knowledge of our own equipment, masculinity prevents many of us from learning the particulars of others. So we go through life wondering whether it's a big one, whether that does happen to all men, or whether our testicles are indeed so cute. <laughs> I've never had anyone <laughs> describe my balls as being so cute. No, so there is something wrong with Sandra. <laughs> uh, so here's, But why is Sandra speaking like a man? Hang on. Here's, okay, but on that, I think there is, a, there is a slight validity in what's being said then. I think women are much more open with each other about discussing you know, the workings of what's going on you know, with their genitalia than men are about sharing that information. Like, I don't think men would talk frankly about, like, their sexual issues or, like, you know, their, the size of their penis or, like, not in a accurate way. Like, people will do it in a jokey way, like, in a big dick, small dick sort think, of way. I don't, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't think women do either. 
I think women talk more about like people know like they all know when <clears throat> each other's period is and stuff like that. That's not the same though. No, but I mean, you know, they'll happily help each other out in those sort of situations that I think, you know, I think men are a little bit more, you know, they don't want to know about that sort of stuff. Like, so all of a sudden you're fucking on Team Pryor. Go Sandra. <laughs> Third round, she wins on points. Well, I think that there is an element of that. Like, there's an element of truth in what she's saying, that's all. All right. Well, we'll continue now. Yeah. Fucking Sandra's best friend. Men aren't going around looking at... And I think I'll just turn into fucking Joaquin <laughs> <Lachine> Phoenix. Sandra's best friend. But I, I also think that men, particularly with the rise of pornography, and I'm sure women have, have suffered from this as well, but men look at men in porn. And most men in porn have, like... I assume have, like, massive penises. Penises that could be used to transport vehicles over bodies of water. But you don't know. Maybe that's what all penises are like. Like, if people aren't talking about it and all they're seeing in the media is Big really penis. massive penises, yeah. then that people might start to go, well, that's everybody's like that. You know, and to get some sort of, you know, body dysmorphia thing. Or and inject their penis with, like, beans from a beanbag or something. That people do things to their, like... You know, there's pumps and... Yeah, there's guys who put pearls under their fucking... Oh, we can't talk about it because it makes me cross my legs. But you know, there's guys, fishermen, who put pearls under the skin of their dick. Like to give it little lumps. What? There's guys who put pearls under the skin of their dicks to give it little lumps. Who told you this? Was it Sandra Hall? Did Sandra Hall write this on a blog? No, it's true. There's guys, they... they, Sometimes they put more than one, but they, they find these pearls, these fishermen. And they insert it under the skin on their penis to give it like little love bumps. Like I suppose a you can't ribbed for her pleasure. Can't really like you couldn't used to get TV and stuff when you're at sea, so you had to find something to do on those lonely hours on the boat. Let's insert pearls <laughs> on the skin of our penai. All right. Okay. So, although a man will happily take compliments from you regarding his genitalia, he will never really believe you. He knows full well that if you answered honestly to his question, it's the biggest you've ever had. Your relationship, as you know it, may be in tatters in a few minutes. I don't think that's true. Oh, no, I think most guys would be very comfortable with you saying. Also, I there think have that... to be a lot of self-loathing for you, a girl to say that to you, and for you to go, "You're lying. <laughs> you hate it. It's tiny. Just say it. <laughs> Spit on me." <laughs> we play with him. We do this because we can, and trust me, it's not just us guys at Puppetry of the Penis. We've just mastered it and turned it into a show. See, clever dicks. This sounds like an article by one of the guys at Puppetry of the Penis. Or is it written by a woman? I can't work it out. Your father's husbands and boyfriends and brothers also practice the ancient art of genital origami. Bit presumptuous. <laughs> There's not a man in the world who has not at some point stood in front of a mirror and thought to himself, hang on, what would this look like? We've all tucked it away and done the woman. Mm, yeah, I'd say so. I guess so. We've all rolled it around the wrist for a cock watch. I've not done that. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen us as children do it in the bath, and some of us st- did stop, but most of us just and some of us did stop, but most of us just stopped doing it while you were around. In the no, bath, that is misleading. I don't think guys just sit around flinging their dicks about when girls aren't there. I don't think guys are even having baths. No, no, I think we're not talking as children in baths. Yeah. Because little kids play. Yeah, yeah but she's also, things. but then she's saying that, you know, we're still doing it. Like, yeah, guys yeah, aren't yeah, even yeah. having baths. Some of us did, did stop, but yeah. Yeah. We communicate with them. This behavior has been around since the beginning of time. In fact, before there was language, primitive man more than likely communicated, perhaps showing what predators 
We're in... Hang on, let me say it again. We communicate with them. This behaviour has been around since the beginning of time. In fact, before there was language, primitive man more than likely communicated. Perhaps showing what predators were in the area or what types of fruit could be found, using nothing but grunts and tugging on his genitalia. How do you know that? Sounds like a Saturday night question. Like, how do you know that? It's a lot of presumption. <laughs> you don't read that on a juice bottle lid. <laughs> like, I can't imagine in the olden days guys were telling people where predators were by like whacking off in front of them. <laughs> well, that would be more... I would take my chances with the pterodactyls rather than like, you know... It just... There's an old joke where uh, two hunters um, go out with their dogs and they're shooting at ducks and uh, one dog uh, is gone for a really long time and the dog finally comes back and it just stands up and it grabs its stick and it starts tugging on its stick and then it grabs up its stick and starts punching the air with a stick and the uh, one hunter says to the other one, fuck man, your dog's gone crazy and he's like, no, 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 he's just saying there's more fucking birds out there than you can poke a stick at. <laughs> <laughs> That's what cavemen used to do. Maybe she heard that joke and thought, well, yeah, it's probably what cavemen used to do. There's more fucking buffalo out there than you can poke your stick at. Well, her evidence, uh, if that was the case, is equally as strong as your evidence that Bill Clinton caught his penis, Little Willie. No, it wasn't Little Elvis. Because I don't think your source stands up to much scrutiny either. This, really? this woman sounds like a nutbag. This woman slash man. <laughs> I don't even know. She's... Look, all I needed was one verabite. I don't care if it's not... if. I heard it somewhere. That's all that proves is that mm-hmm. I heard it somewhere. Right. I'm not saying it's, you know... That is true that he called it Little Elvis. No, at all. Why would he call it Little Elvis? Because it used to be thin and they got really fat when it got older. Because <laughs> it's going to die on a toilet yeah, eating, it was... a, <laughs> eating a peanut butter sandwich. It was just like fat and disappointing. <laughs> uh, let's find it out. Um, we are on Facebook. Yep. Tofop, um, or, uh, and there's tofop.com and for all the links to the episodes. Um, you can rate the show on iTunes. That's really helpful. Can helps I, us can I the put charts. a shout out to um, uh, the girl who runs Tofop Quotes on Tumblr? Oh, yeah. Which is, because Tofop Quotes is really one of my favorite things on Twitter, but she does long form. Like, if you've ever read Tofop Quotes on Twitter and sort of gone, where the fuck did that conversation start? Check out Tofop Tumblr. Uh, she does bigger chunks of dialogue and you can actually sort of put it in some kind of context. Yeah, that's cool. And I, it's, it's amazing when people are doing things. So like, I, uh, the, we haven't had time to talk about everything, but people are sending like art and photos and stuff through to the Facebook page and, and, and it's it's really cool stuff. So like, we'll try to get back to as much of it as, as we can when we can get more regular with doing the show again. Have you got uh, dates? Oh uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really just about to start um, my tour, so I'm in Adelaide uh, for the Fringe Festival, the show's called Willarious, and then I'm in uh, Brisbane and then Melbourne, uh, willanderson.com.au are the details. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Keep it in shadow mode. <laughs>